What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hello, good friends. Welcome to the 2024 edition of the Bill Press Pod and the beginning of what promises to be a wild year on several fronts. (laughs) It's already pretty wild, with the Iowa caucuses just one week away, Donald Trump campaigning hard for a landslide win, and Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis vying for second place. The big question is, if Trump wins big in Iowa, is there any way to stop him in New Hampshire or South Carolina? Well, some Republicans, like Stuart Stevens, Bill Kristol, and Charlie Sykes, all previous guests on our podcast, are trying to hard to stop him from getting the nomination or getting reelected. And today we meet the leader of the Republican Never Trumpers, MSNBC's Michael Steele. Not so long ago, you may remember, Michael Steele was chairman of the Republican National Committee, but he says that Donald Trump does not represent his values nor the Republican Party values that Steele helped build and expand. That is a powerful message that Michael Steele will now be delivering on The Weekend, a new MSNBC show that premieres this weekend, January 13, with Alicia Menendez and Simon Sanders Townsend. Mr. Chairman, welcome to the Bill Press Pod. Uh, It's good to have you back. Hey, Bill, it's good to be back in your neighborhood. Happy New Year, man. Happy New Year to you, and congratulations on your new show. Uh, So The Weekend starts this weekend, right, on MSNBC. It does. Uh, Saturday and Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m., you with uh, Alicia Menendez and Simon Sanders Townsend. What a great team. <laughs> yeah, I look, dude, I am excited about this. And look, I, I'm just the guy they plucked out of the corner to come in. Uh, yeah, you know, hardly. You know, br- bring the ladies' coffee, you know? It's, it's, uh, <laughs> I am no, I'm actually very excited about this partnership. I, I've worked with both Simone and Alicia over the last number of years that they've had their programs on mm-hmm. MSNBC on the weekends. And so this collaboration coming together as it, um, as it is, is very exciting. Number one, uh, number two, the, the, the weekend, the concept real quick is, is really straightforward. It's about, you know, it's not just a, Oh yeah, we're going to wrap up the week. <laughs> That's yeah. not what this is. It really yeah. is kind of bringing a fresh look, some, um, fresh perspective on the week that was, yes, but also the week ahead and the weeks ahead. It's it's sort of a, we want it to be a go-to place for folks to kind of get their news and information and engage in some really good conversation, um, uh, certainly among the three of us and uh, and the guests that we have on. So it's, it's going to be an exciting platform, I think, for the network to sort of anchor yeah. the weekend, uh, you know, jumpstart to uh, news and information. Yeah, look, for, for political junkies like me, it's going to be appointment TV, as they used to call it. <laughs> That's what the we way, like, baby. That's what we like. And you couldn't start at a more important time or more significant time, right? This weekend with the Iowa yeah. caucuses and then on and on and on. So let me, let me just say over the weekend, this last weekend, Donald Trump is out there in Iowa, of course, trying to wrap it up and, and come up with a great, big, huge win, right? 
Um, he, he suggested that maybe we should have negotiated the civil war. Um, yeah. How would yeah. that, how, how would that turn out, Michael? <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I probably wouldn't be doing this, uh, this podcast right now in Donald, Donald Trump world, but Look, you know, this idea of uh, revisionist history, uh, folks basically telling us how they really feel about uh, these uh, tragic but also very important periods in America's history um, should inform our thinking about how we see their their leadership uh, in the future. And I think you know, Donald Trump wanting to renegotiate the the uh, the Civil War. What part, you know, the yeah. enslavement of black people or the succession of states from the Union? What what part exactly, as Liz Cheney noted, do you want to renegotiate? Um, and so it, it just fundamentally speaks to me uh, how challenging uh, this period is going to be for American voters. It is going to cause all of us to to really ask ourselves a question that I ask a lot of folks that when I give uh, talks and speeches around the country, um, fundamentally, do you still love the country? Do you love the country you grew up in or do you want to reimagine it in your own image? Uh, do you want to rewrite its history yeah. to fit your particular uh, view of the world? Or do you accept the experiment as it unfolds, as um, something that we all embrace together, we all go through together, and we all leave a part of, of ourselves uh, in its makeup? And um, if you don't want that, then yeah, you you want to renegotiate the Civil War. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, and um, boy, it, it is really that that question. Uh, do you love this country as we've come to, to build it and love yeah. it? or not, right? But, you know, that was only one of the crazy things that Trump said this last weekend. Here's just a little montage our, our producer, Jay Feldman, put together of uh, Trump speaking off the cuff, as he does all the time, uh, from the podium uh, with some of the crazy stuff he said this just this past weekend. Obamacare is a catastrophe. Nobody talks about it. You know, without John McCain, we would have had it done. But John McCain, for some reason, couldn't get his arm up. Think of it, magnets. Now, all I know about magnets is this. Give me a glass of water. Let me drop it on the magnets. That's the end of the magnets. Civil War was so fascinating, so horrible. I don't know. It was just different. I just find it. I'm so attracted to seeing it. So many mistakes were made. See, there was something I think could have been negotiated, to be honest with you. I think you could have negotiated that. I think it's, uh, you know, Abraham Lincoln. Of course, if you negotiated it, you probably wouldn't even know who Abraham Lincoln was over the seas and it comes right over our land and then they want us to have clean i say wait a minute we, we're going to be clean but it's all flying just remember that does that make sense in other words it's all coming through the currents through the air crooked joe did you see him he was stuttering through the whole thing he's going up uh, i've got a he's a threat to da, da, democracy wow. they ought to release the J6 hostages. I call them hostages. Some people call them prisoners. I call them hostages. I have concerns about the treatment of January 6 hostages. Uh, that was at least Stefanik there at the end, Michael. <laughs> Who was yes. Echoing, <laughs> echoing Donald Trump. But, you know, he's so, he, he's like completely unhinged yet, right? And yet, Speaker Mike Johnson, Steve Scalise, Tom Emmer, Elise Stefanik, Jim Jordan, Kevin McCarthy, they all support him. Why? Because he's not unhinged. 
Oh, in that in that sense, <laughs> he 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 reflects. You know, I, I'm glad you asked this question because it's something I've actually kind of been pondering myself for a while now. Yeah, uh, and that is, does Don, is Donald Trump really that far out on the limb, or are we just further along on that limb than we like to believe we are? And I think it's the latter. I think he speaks to and reflects back a lot of what people feel out there and what they think, things that they would say. You know, the fact that, you know, he would refer to John McCain the way he did. And remember, at the time that initially happened, what was the response of the party uh, that was once that, that McCain was once the standard bearer for? Who was um, mm-hmm. a well-regarded war he- national war hero? What was the response of Don- John McCain's Republican Party to Donald Trump's attack on him? At best, silence. At worst, complete agreement and acquiescence. Yeah. So, and some it, people, some people thought at the time that that was it for Donald Trump, right? And they thought that was it. He crossed and, the line. That was it. Could not come and back. And I from remember that. telling people, "No, baby, this is just the beginning." Because he is tapped into that inner thing in yourself that you actually believe uh, those words. You see John McCain as weak because going back to the point I was asking before, before about do you love America, he doesn't reflect your view of America. He doesn't reflect your sense of what a hero is. Donald Trump does because Donald Trump... You think Donald Trump is a greater fighter for you than John McCain, who actually fought for you. And that's that's the problem. That's so, pretty scary. That and, is really scary. And and yeah. it is it is the truth that I've kind of come to in, in all of this. And so Elise Stefanik, yeah, she wants to be his VP. I've said for a year that's going to be his choice. Why? Mm-hmm. Because she's the perfect sycophantic character. She will do and say whatever is necessary to get her closer to the power she craves, period. I've known Elise, uh, Elise and she, she's quite frankly disappointed me um, from my time as chairman, um, my work in the party, um, to see how quickly uh, that capitulation happened. And it's unfortunate. It doesn't need to be because... This Donald Trump story doesn't end well for America, and it doesn't end well for those who buy into it. That's the ultimate truth of the narrative. That's the thing they're staving off more than anything else, which again gets back to the core question, do you love the country? My hope, my prayer is that more people answer yes, beginning as they did in 2020, continuing as they did in 22, uh, and will again in 24 say they do. Uh, and renounce this road to authoritarian uh, autocracy and and fascism, which is unfortunate. It's not the makeup of the country, but we got to go through that challenge. What percentage of the people do you believe that Donald Trump is speaking for? But you're right. I mean, some of them, they really believe January 6th never happened. You know, he had nothing to do with it. Right. These people who attacked the Capitol are patriots, uh, and uh, any attempt to go after Donald Trump for any of the 91 charges is all just a democratic fix on and on and on. Right. He certainly, there's certainly a lot of people who believe everything he says. Is it, is it enough? (laughs) Michael, (laughs) are are there enough who don't believe it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. In the main, the answer is yes, but understand this, this is not exclusively a Republican problem. 
And a lot of people, that's that's the safety valve. That's where people feel better about themselves because they re, they don't want to have to think that um, people in their circle believe this and follow this, but they align to themselves because they know the truth is, yeah, grandma actually is a Trumper. My mm-hmm. best friend, who, friend I went to college with is actually a Trumper. The neighbor next door is actually a Trumper. They need to acknowledge this truth about their universe of people. And when they do, you realize it's not just Republicans. Remember, that circle uh, between Donald Trump uh, and and the Democratic Party uh, led by Bernie Sanders at the time met. They met. Uh, there was such a thing as a Donald Trump, Bernie Sanders voter, a voter uh, in that election. Uh, and, and so the reality is this is a this is inherent in the system itself, our political system. It, it, it's, it's like any corrosive thing. It doesn't just, you know, hang out in one corner, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, the disease just doesn't attack, you know, the big toe. Uh, right. The cancer yeah. will spread. And, yeah, and, but, but pushing back a little bit, I mean, it, it, you have to say today's, if you can call it today's Republican Party, is not the Republican Party of course that, not that no. you led, Michael. No. That, that you work so hard to build up and expand and represent very well, I might say. You know, no, but that can't. I recognize that cancer existed when I was chairman, and uh, and had yeah. to battle various forms and strains of it. Hmm. Um, at the time. And and a lot of my troubles at the RNC stemmed from the fact that I was creating a lane no one wanted to go down, trying Whoa. to expand the party. A lot of lip service to the idea of blacks and women and minorities being a part of the party. But the reality, when you actually try to you know apply that, mm, I don't yeah. know. And, and because then you're spending money then you're organizing, you're creating uh, new lanes, you're recreating and reimagining power centers within the party. That does not fit well with the current narratives around who controls the money, who gets the money, who makes the money. Notice I put a lot of emphasis on the money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, right. Uh, and uh-huh. all of that leads to also who ultimately can, has the power. Um, Donald Trump, is. this is a good example of the point I just made. Donald Trump doesn't spend a dime. He he has the party pay his bills. He has the party raise his money and spend it on him. Right. Um, and, and then the money he does raise through his super PAC, he's not sharing with the political inf- insiders and infrastructure. So it, understanding all of these dynamics is important. So, yes, you're right. The party is not the same. Uh, it is the host of the disease. Mm-hmm. But the disease spreads, and it has spread beyond the casing of the GOP, um, and and now I believe infected other parts of the body politic that we should all be very very concerned and mindful of. Remember the numbers the numbers we've seen, Bill. If you add them up, there aren't that many Republicans in the country <laughs> to sustain mm-hmm. the kind of numbers. Those eight million new voters that Donald Trump picked up weren't all Republicans. Yeah. Right. Yep. I, I acknowledge, certainly I acknowledge that you know may, maybe one of the 
I wouldn't say the best, but one of the most notable places we saw this historical revisionism, if you will, right, mm-hmm. of this change of the Republican Party was just this last weekend with the third anniversary of January 6th, okay? So, again, with your indulgence, a, a short little montage here of some Republican leaders, starting with Mitch McConnell, right after January 6th. Mitch McConnell, Ted Cruz, uh, Mike Gallagher from Wisconsin, and <laughs> Mike Johnson from Louisiana. Very quickly, here it is. President Trump is responsible for provoking the events of the day. The president's language and rhetoric crossed a line and it was reckless. This is the cost of telling thousands of people that there is a legitimate shot of overturning the election. When people engage in this lawlessness and violence and vandalism and all that, that is not who we are as, as Americans. It's the opposite of our values. I mean, one of the things that hold this holds this self-governing republic together is a belief in in the maintenance of the rule of law and if that breaks down we 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 lose part of the fabric of our society yeah that's mike johnson a different mike johnson but even mitch mcconnell says you know he'd vote for trump were he the nominee of the party today again i ask you what happened michael are they just afraid of this guy so the question is to mike johnson and to others were you lying then <laughs> or, or were you not? Are you lying now? Because when you spoke about the rule of law the way you did on the heels of January 6th, was that just performative? Hmm. Or were you genuinely honest with the country about what you saw that day and what you experienced inside the halls of the Capitol? Or are you being performative and lying to us now because of the grift? because it keeps you out of Donald Trump's crosshairs, which Mike Johnson should we believe? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the question we need to ask everyone, you know, who, who sort of speaks out of both sides of their mouth when it comes to Trump. You cannot tell me, and Liz Cheney said it best, you can't stand for democracy and stand with Trump because Trump is, by his nature, antithetical to democracy. I mean, the guy fomented mm-hmm. insurrection. I mean, I don't know how much more yeah. anti-democratic <laughs> you can get. So if you're standing with Trump, then the rule of law has no value to you. The Constitution means nothing to you. The institutions that protect that Department of Justice, the legal system, judicial system, have no importance. So tell us which it is so that we then know mm-hmm. where you stand. Yeah. So we right. know whether or not you should hold power in this government that we, the people, own. And so it's incumbent on the American people to recognize you cannot abdicate your responsibility here. You cannot abdicate the value of the proposition laid out in the three most powerful words in our founding documents, we, the people. Right. That's Mm -hmm. the power given to us by the founders. They didn't rest that power in an institution. They didn't rest that power in the presidency. They didn't rest that power in the government itself. They gave it to the people to administer. So now administer it by asking the question, are you lying to us now or were you lying to us then when you spoke about the Constitution and the rule of law? Indeed, that is the question. Okay, we are now in the races uh, for sure. It starts all this weekend uh, in Iowa, and then it's going to be just nonstop all the way through November. Uh, Michael, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back, and I want to get your take on the 
how you think things are going to turn out in the uh, upcoming states here. Quick break and we'll be right back. And today's podcast with Michael Steele brought to you by the Iron Workers Union. Uh, members of the Iron Workers, they say the sky is the limit, and boy, they prove it. They are the backbone of North America's labor movement, um, rebuilding our infrastructure, countless bridges, structures, and skyscrapers. Uh, in fact, you look at some of the most iconic structures in this country, from the Golden Gate Bridge to the New World Trade Center Tower all the work of the good members of the Iron Workers Union under President Eric Dean. So we salute the Iron Workers for their great work and for their longtime support of the Bill Press Pod. Encourage you to check out their website at ironworkers.org. You'll be impressed with all that they're involved in today. Ironworkers.org. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back on today's podcast. Uh, so happy to have as our guest today, Michael Steele, former chair of the Republican National Committee. And most importantly for uh, all of us political junkies, he will be uh, co-hosting a new show starting on MSNBC this weekend with Alicia Menendez and Simon Sanders Townsend. It's called The Weekend, uh, 8 to 10 a.m. Saturday and Sunday morning. Uh, so um, set your uh, you know set your set your watch accordingly, your alarm That's clock right. accordingly, and be there with <laughs> Michael. Welcome back, Michael. So uh, Trump wants it to be a great big smashing win in Iowa. Uh, Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis are scrambling for second place. Um, we always hesitate to make predictions sure. <laughs> in this day and age, but how do you think it's going to turn out? Is he going to get his win? I think he gets his win. I mean, yeah. I look Looks unless, like there, yeah, unless there's some secret cabal that we just completely missed, which could happen. I mean, heck, people missed 2016, right? Right. People yeah. missed. Uh, I mean, Big there time. were some of us who said back in August of 2016, Donald Trump was going to win. I was one of those. Uh, I remember <laughs> that conversation on Morning Joe uh, at that time. But it, you know, but the reality of it is, I don't see that cabal that exists that is going to rest the nomination away from Donald Trump by uh, taking Iowa away from him. 
Mm-hmm. Now, I, he didn't win Iowa in 2016, um, but we're a long way from 2016. And, right. and I think that the that Donald Trump has sufficiently, uh, you know, pushed pushed himself and positioned himself uh, to be the nominee that the base vote of the GOP doesn't see any better alternative. We saw the dance with um, with Ron DeSantis out of the gate. And again, it's important to understand, Bill, that was a dance between Ron DeSantis and the moneyed interest inside the GOP, not the base voters of the GOP. We saw yeah, the same point. Right. with Tim Scott. You know, they moved off to DeSantis when he started to implode and rent, went running into the arms of Tim Scott. And Tim Scott, yet again, not, you know, you know, yeah, they, they liked the senator from South Carolina, but they weren't prepared to vote for the senator for South Carolina. And now they're dancing with the governor, of, former governor of South Carolina, Nikki Haley, who from the very beginning acquitted herself enormously well. In the on, debates, right? Yeah, yep. very, from the very first debate, she was a standout for me. I've known Nikki since we helped get her elected in 2010. And um, again, disappointed in her embrace of Trumpism um, selectively. Um, I think it's hurt her authenticity, authenticity and genuineness to speak on some of these issues. But she navigated the space. Um, was it enough to wrestle the nomination away from Trump? No. Because she never went after him. Then there, none of these characters ever took him on. Unbelievable. How do you, how do you beat someone with no one? <laughs> I don't understand. I'm so confused. Yeah. No, no, it's true. And so in New Hampshire, you know, the, things are a little different. You got Chris Christie there for sure, who has taken Trump on. Yes. Um, but, you know, doesn't have the resources to. You and I would agree on that to and go there, all the and way. And if anybody's going to galvanize in the party, Bill, that's where you go. You go to the guy who's taking on the the eight hundred yep. pound, you know, elephant right. in the room, right? Yeah, you you, 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 you got to go go where the fight is. But no, we're going to go to Ron DeSantis. I'm like, really? Have you seen <laughs> Ron DeSantis' campaign? <laughs> I can speak to that as a chairman. I mean, come on. I would not put that guy up to run for office. And if I did, I'd pull him down real quick and put him in a room and retrain him. <laughs> uh, how about Nikki Haley? Can she do it? Or uh, and or like Elise Stefanik, is she just playing for number two? No, I don't know. I don't think she wants to be his number two. There's no upside for Nikki Haley to be on this ticket in 2024. Mm-hmm. Nikki Haley's playing to 2028, as are a few others, um, uh-huh. and 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 I think um, I, I, that's fine. Um, but I think the the wisdom for someone like Nikki is do no you know gain brownie points right now, but do no harm in the process of gaining those points. Mm-hmm. Chris Christie gained brownie points, right? A lot of Americans like, oh, thank you, finally going after Trump. I really appreciate someone's finally being honest about who this guy is and what threat he is. But he lost a lot in that, you know? Uh, He didn't get, you know, he didn't, uh, he avoided the part of doing no harm. (laughs) He he did did a lot of harm to himself. But again, you know, 28 is going to be a different dynamic in a different space. But right now, that's the play. So Donald Trump runs this runs the table here. Uh, you know, Vivek uh, Ramaswamy is oh, on, the worst right. kind of gadfly in politics. Um, as a national chairman, that that would have been 
cut off for me at the very beginning. I would never allow him on the stage. I don't care what his number said because um, he was not serious. He's not a, he's not a genuine player. Um, and, and so it just you, you you have to look at these things critically. Um, and having been a county, state, and national chairman, I kind of know how to do that. Um, <laughs> I, I've had some successes successes with uh, some improbable candidates, uh, and um, successes with those who you know who are, are well regarded and well known, and and even lost some some races with some really good candidates. But it's at understanding what the voters really are looking for is the quality that I think it's important. And, and which is why, Bill, I don't know if you recall from back my time as chairman, I had advocated with doing away with our current primary process. That I, I remember, I, yeah. I, it was important that we not begin in Iowa, mm-hmm. uh, that we not <laughs> follow them to New Hampshire and South Carolina, which was the top three. Fortunately, I got them to agree to add uh, Nevada, um, but you know, we only did the first three states and then we were into Super Tuesday. Um, so I got some change done, but the real change is how we break up this current primary system to really force candidates into a competitive match um against each other. And, and until we do that, and the Democrats have I think rightly figured it out. Um Republicans are going to be locked into a race. Uh, to uh, a space that's going to make it harder for them to win national elections. But that's just me. What do I know? So looking ahead today, you think uh, Donald Trump will be the Republican nominee? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's from the day he announced in November of 21 uh, or 22. If he's he's convicted of any one of the 91 charges, uh, does that make a difference? No. To whom will it make a difference? Yeah. Yeah, not to his, <laughs> not to his base for sure, right? Not to his base, and yeah. there's a lot more of his base than we like to admit. Um, there are a lot of people who, I mean, look at I me, mean, look at Democrats. Democrats are more concerned about two things: filibuster and voters asking, "Well, who the hell was Phil and Buster?" I don't know who <laughs> those guys are. And Biden's age. They're not engaging Republicans. They're fighting amongst themselves over over how old Joe Biden is and they're trying to figure out how to throw Kamala Harris off the ticket. Okay, let's see how smart you are politically in doing that and ask me whether any black person in America will vote for that ticket if you do that. You pick (laughs) off the first black woman vice president. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, I mean, so it just the tone deafness on the left is is stunning. I don't know how we ever lost an election to them. So then on the right, <laughs> on the right, well, you have because you put Donald Trump up for re-election. Right, exactly, exactly. There, I, that's a that's where I was going to go. On the right, we're like, oh no, we can beat them with Donald Trump. Like, no, you can't. <laughs> so here we are. You know, so Donald Trump is the nominee in the twenty twenty four election. Will be Biden and, and Trump. Um, and uh, the voters will get to decide what direction they want the country to go in. All right, two questions that are uh, have to be decided before we get to that point, both of them in front of the Supreme Court. One is whether Donald Trump is eligible for the ballot because of right. his uh, involvement in an insurrection, and two, whether or not he has immunity as president, former president, for anything he did while he was in the White House. How do you think that plays out? I love this question because it's something that uh, Alicia uh, and Simone and I have tackled 
um, in our preparation for the weekend. <laughs> okay. And, no, I'm serious. Give us, I, preview. Give us a preview today. Yeah, no, it's it's a great question, and it is something that it's something that we really want to sink our teeth into, not just from the the legal analytics of it, um, because that'll be what what it is in one sense. But also from how the the political piece kind of drives off of that, because the reality of it is, and, and my take uh, to my colleagues is, I think the Supreme Court basically takes a pass. And the reason they take the pass is there are not enough states in play. In other words, this is much, this is too much of still a political issue. Mm-hmm. As opposed to a judicial conflict um, between and among the states. So you're talking with, about the the ballot uh, eligibility. The correct? ballot eligibility, yeah. correct? Yeah. Right. Um, and in that you've got two states that have said Maine and Colorado, oh, you're off the ballot. But then you've got Michigan and California that says, no, nah, we're going to leave you on the ballot. So you you don't have enough states that have sort of gotten into that fight and, and, and made up their mind one way or the other. Now, albeit some are sitting on the sidelines, Bill, kind of waiting to see how the fight turns out, right? Right, right, um, right. But at the end of the day, the court, this is my, this is still my take, despite all the, the, the judicial or the legal wisdom I've received from folks like Charles Coleman and others. Um, it's still, I think, not ripe for this court. Mm-hmm, uh, right. Now, that's, Leads to the okay. second part, which is immunity. Is, yeah, yep. exactly. And th- that's that's the Jack Smith case of whether or not, uh, as president, he was immune from all things at all times, just by virtue of being president. There, I think the court goes, "Oh hell no." that's not how that works (laughs) well in effect the court would have to be saying there is one man above the law exactly exactly yeah exactly i i think i think the court tries to to split the hair on the on the on the uh ballot question uh and sort of give itself some political cover and will be full frontal on the immunity question because uh, I think mm-hmm. uh, no man is above the law, but they'll have to affirm that in that decision. I hope that's still the case. So I hope you, that's still the case. Very generous with your time, Mike. I want to circle back and close by coming going back to something you said that struck me, uh, quoting Liz Cheney, that you can't stand with democracy and stand with Donald Trump. Um, you know, the president made this point at Valley Forge last week, yeah. that democracy is on the line in this election. I think that's going to be the thrust of his campaign. It, it, we always say this is the most important election ever in our – we say that every yeah, four do. years. Do. But do you do you believe this election is that significant? And do you believe our democracy is on the line in this election, that it's that's that much at stake? With every fiber of my being. Really, I yeah. never, never more so at any point in my sixty-five years on this planet have I felt that way. Uh, have I felt the way I do right now? This is, hmm. um, this is that time of choosing. Uh, it really does require an answer to the question: Do you love the country, uh, and do you want it to be made in your image? 
or in the image of we the people. And Donald Trump represents that, that choice. Um, this man has told us, I want to be a dictator for a day. <laughs> yeah, only one day. <laughs> yeah, like that's ever worked in history, in the annals of history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just want I just want to rule everything for one day and then I'll give it all back to you. Mm-hmm. Um two, he's he's told us I am your retribution. He's not my I don't I, I don't need any retribution against my neighbor, against my mm-hmm. friends, my colleagues. What do I need you retribution for what, right? So we have um an individual who has told us who he is, who has told us what he will do, and why uh, the rest of us should be concerned about that. Well, so much at stake. That's that's where it is. That sums it up, Michael Steele. Uh, I'm so excited for your new show. Thank you for spending time with us today, and we'll see you this Saturday. And Sunday on MSNBC with Alicia Menendez and Simone Sanders Townsend. You are going to bring new excitement to our weekend, Michael. Thank you. I'm looking forward to my friend, and it's always a pleasure to be with you, Bill. Uh, And that's it for today's podcast with Michael Steele. We need more good, strong Republican voices like Michael Steele out there. A thanks to Michael and a thanks to all of you for joining us. And we invite you back on Friday for our Reporters Roundtable. Congress comes back into town this week. Uh, They are still trying to come together on a funding deal uh, for money for the border, money for Ukraine, money for uh, Israel, uh, and it's a continuing war against Hamas. We'll see how that plays out. And also, there'll be uh, all the final pitches by the candidates, and I will be following that as well and wrap it all up with three political reporters on Friday. So have a great week, everybody. Come back on Friday. Join us for the next edition of the Bill Press Pod, our Reporters Roundtable. 